0: Folks, welcome to Grownups Read Princess Stories, the podcast where grownups from around the world read stories about princesses from around the world, be them fairy tales or true stories. I'm your host RPJ and welcome back to the podcast. Today you will be listening to Little Thumbelina, written by Hans Christian Andersen and read by Shirley Blanche. Shirley Blanche is a certified Smart Young Minds teacher meditation teacher, and mindfulness coach who works with young people and adults in educational, corporate, and private settings. Shirley also delivers her work through public speaking, writing, podcasting, and online presentations. She has featured as an expert guest on Mindfulness on BBC Radio and has a passion for helping everyone of every age empower themselves over their own health and well-being. She is based in the UK and has just turned 50 years old. Not sure how much of that would count as being grown up. Still not quite there yet. To find out more about what she does, you can check out Shirley's website at www.getmindful.co.uk or follow her on Facebook at GetMindful or on Instagram at ShirleyGetMindful and on Twitter at GetMindful. Of course, we will leave links to all of those things in the episode description and remind you at the end of the episode. But without further ado, please enjoy the amazing Hans Christian Andersen tale, Little Thumbelina, read by Shirley Blanche.
1: There once was a woman who wished very much to have a little child. She went to a fairy and said, I should so very much like to have a little child. Can you tell me where I can find one? Now, you may think it's weird that the woman went to a fairy instead of a fertility clinic or a doctor if she wanted a baby. But you have to remember that this is a fairy tale. And if you want a child in a fairy tale, you go to a fairy. Oh, that can be easily managed, said the fairy. Here is a barley corn. It's not exactly the same sort as those which grow in the farmer's fields and that the chickens eat. Put it into a flower pot and see what happens. Thank you said the woman and she gave the fairy 12 shillings which was the price of the barleycorn. Now I'm imagining 12 shillings was a lot of money back in those days so you can see why this was a good business for fairies. So the woman went home and she planted it and there grew up a large handsome flower a bit like a tulip in appearance but with its leaves tightly closed as if it was still a bud. It's a beautiful flower said the woman. And she kissed the red and golden coloured petals and as she did so the flower opened and inside upon the green velvet stamen sat a very delicate and graceful little maiden. She was scarcely half as long as a thumb and so they gave her the name of Little Thumb or Thumbelina because she was so small. She had a walnut shell as a cradle and her bed was formed of blue violet leaves with a rose leaf for a bedspread and she slept there all night but during the day she amused herself on a table where the woman had placed a plate full of water for her to play in. Around this plate were wreaths of flowers with their stems in the water and on it floated a large tulip leaf which she used as a little boat. And she sat and rowed herself from side to side with two oars made of white horsehair. It was a very pretty sight and Thumbelina could also sing really softly and sweetly. Nothing like her singing had ever been heard before. One night, while she lay in her pretty bed, a large, ugly, wet toad crept through a broken pane of glass in the window and leapt right onto the table where she lay sleeping under her rose-leaf quilt. What a pretty little wife this would make for my son, said the toad, and she took up the walnut shell in which Thumbelina lay asleep and jumped through the window with it into the garden. In the swampy stream in the garden lived the toad with her son. He was even uglier than his mother, and when he saw the pretty little maiden in her elegant bed, he could only cry, Groke, groke, groke. Don't speak so loud or she will wake, said the toad, and then she might run away, for she is light as swans down. We'll place her on one of the water lily leaves out in the stream and it will be like an island to her. She's so light and small and then she cannot escape. And while she's there, we will make haste and prepare the stateroom under the marsh in which you are to live when you're married. Far out in the stream grew a number of water lilies with broad green leaves which seemed to float on top of the water. The largest of these leaves appeared further off than the rest and the old toad swam out to it with the walnut shell in which Thumbelina still lay asleep. The tiny creature woke very early in the morning and she began to cry bitterly when she found out where she was. For she couldn't see anything but water on every side of the large green leaf and no way of reaching the land. Meanwhile, the old toad was very busy under the marsh, decorating her room with rushes and yellow wildflowers to make it look pretty for her new daughter-in-law. Then she swam out with her ugly son to the leaf, on which she'd placed poor Thumbelina. She wanted to bring the pretty bed so that she might put it in the bridal room to be ready for her. The old toad bowed low to her in the water and said, Here is my son. He will be your husband and you will live happily together in the marsh by the stream. Groak, 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 was all her son could say for himself. So the toad took up the elegant little bed and swam away with it, leaving Thumbelina all alone on the green leaf where she sat and wept. Oh, she could not bear to think of living with the old toad and having her ugly son for a husband. The little fishes who swam about in the water beneath had seen the toad and heard what she said so now they lifted their heads above the water to look at the little maiden. As soon as they saw her they saw she was very pretty and it annoyed them to think that she must go and live with the ugly toads. No it must never be they said so they gathered together in the water round the green stalk which held the leaf on which she Thumbelina stood and they gnawed away at its root with their teeth. Then the leaf floated down the stream carrying Thumbelina far away out of the reach of land. Thumbelina sailed past many towns and the little birds in the bushes saw her and sang What a lovely little creature! So the leaf swam away with her further and further till it brought her to other lands. A beautiful little white butterfly constantly fluttered around her and at last it alighted on her leaf. The little maiden pleased him and she was really glad of that for now the toad could not possibly reach her and the country through which she sailed was beautiful and the sun shone upon the water until it glittered like liquid gold. She took off her girdle and tied one end of it around the butterfly fastening the other end of the ribbon to the leaf which now glided on much faster than before taking Thumbelina with it as she stood. Presently a large beetle flew by. "'The moment he caught sight of her, he seized her round her delicate waist with his claws and flew with her into a tree. "'The green leaf floated away on the brook and the butterfly flew with it, but he was still fastened to it and he couldn't get away. "'Oh, how frightened Thumbelina felt when the beetle flew with her into the tree.' But especially, she was really sorry for the beautiful white butterfly which she'd fastened to the leaf because he couldn't get free now and he would die of hunger if he couldn't get himself free from that leaf. But the beetle didn't care about that. He seated himself by her side on a large green leaf, gave her some honey from the flowers to eat and told her he thought she was very pretty, though not in the least like a beetle. After a time, all the beetles who lived in the tree came to pay Thumbelina a visit. They stared at her, and then the young lady beetles turned up their feelers and said, She only has two legs. How ugly that looks. She has no feelers, said another. Her waist is quite slim. She's like a human being. Oh, she is ugly, said all the lady beetles. The beetle who'd run away with her believed the others when they said she was ugly, and he would have nothing more to say to her. And told her she could go where she wanted. Then he flew down with her from the tree, placed her on a daisy. She wept at the thought that she was so ugly and that the beetles would have nothing to say to her. And all the while, she really was the loveliest creature that one could imagine. And as tender and delicate as a beautiful rose leaf. During the whole summer, poor Thumbelina lived quite alone in the wide forest. She wove herself a bed with blades of grass and hung it up under a broad leaf to protect herself from the rain. She sucked at the honey from the flowers for food and drank the dew from their leaves every morning. And the summer passed and the autumn and then came the winter. The long, cold winter. All the birds who'd sung to her so sweetly had flown away and the trees and the flowers had withered. The large shamrock under the shelter which she had lived was now rolled together and shriveled up. Nothing remained but a yellow withered stalk. She felt dreadfully cold. Her clothes were torn and she was so frail and delicate that she was nearly frozen to death. It began to snow too and the snowflakes as they fell upon her were like a whole shovelful falling upon one of us because we're tall but she was only an inch high. She wrapped herself in a dry leaf, but it cracked in the middle and she could not keep warm and shivered with cold. Near the wood in which she'd been living was a large cornfield, but the corn had been cut a long time ago. Nothing remained but bare dry stubble. For her, it was like struggling through a large wood. Oh, how she shivered from the cold. She came at last to the door of a field mouse who had a little den under the corn stubble. There the field mouse lived in warmth and comfort, with a whole room full of corn, a kitchen and a beautiful dining room. Poor Thumbelina stood before the door just like a beggar girl and asked for a small piece of barley grain, for she hadn't eaten for two days. You poor little creature, said the field mouse, for she really was a good old mouse. Come into my room and dine with me. She was pleased with Thumbelina so she said you are quite welcome to stay with me all winter if you like but you must keep my rooms clean and neat and tell me stories for I shall like to hear them very much. And Thumbelina did all the field mouse asked her and found herself very comfortable. We shall have a visitor soon said the field mouse one day. My neighbour pays me a visit once a week. He's better off than I am, for he has large rooms and wears a beautiful black velvet coat. If you could only have him for a husband, you would be very well provided for indeed. He's blind, so you must tell him some of your prettiest stories. Thumbelina didn't feel at all interested about this neighbour, for he was a mole. However, he came and paid his visit dressed in his black velvet coat. He is very rich and learned, and his house is twenty times larger than mine, said the field mouse. He was rich and learned, no doubt about that, but he always spoke slightingly of the sun and the pretty flowers because he'd never seen them, so he didn't really know what they were like. Thumbelina was obliged to sing to him, and she sang Ladybird, Ladybird, Fly Away Home, and many other pretty songs and the mole fell in love with her because she had such a sweet voice. But he didn't say anything because he was very cautious. Short time before, the mole had dug a long passage under the earth which led from the house of the field mouse to his own, and here she had permission to walk with Thumbelina whenever she liked. But he warned them not to be alarmed at the sight of a dead bird which lay in the passage it was a perfect bird with beaks and feathers and could not have been dead long. It was lying just where the mole had made his passage. The mole took in his mouth a piece of phosphorescent wood which glittered like fire in the dark and then he went before them to light the way through the long dark passage. When they came to the spot where the dead bird lay the mole pushed his nose up through the ceiling so that the earth came away and the daylight shone through into the passage. In the middle of the floor they could see a swallow. His beautiful wings pulled close to his sides, his feet and his head drawn up under his feathers. The poor bird had evidently died of cold. It made little Thumbelina very sad to see it. She did so love all the little birds. And all summer they'd sung and twittered for her so beautifully. But the mole just pushed it aside with his crooked legs and said, He will sing no more now. How miserable it must be to be born a little bird. I'm thankful that none of my children will ever be birds, for they can do nothing but cry, tweet, tweet, and must always die of hunger in the winter. Yes, you may well say that, as a clever man, exclaimed the field mouse. What is the use of all his twittering if, when winter comes, he must either starve or be frozen to death? Still birds are very high bred. Thumbelina said nothing but when the other two had turned their backs upon the bird she stooped down and stroked aside the soft feathers which covered his head and kissed the closed eyelids. Perhaps this was the one who sang to me so sweetly in the summer she said and how much pleasure it gave me you dear pretty bird. The mole covered up the hole through which the daylight shone and then accompanied the ladies home. But during the night, Thumbelina couldn't sleep, so she got out of bed and wove a large, beautiful carpet of hay. She carried it to the dead bird and spread it over him with some of the flowers which she'd found in the field mouse's room. It was as soft as wool, and she spread some of it on either side of the bird so that he might lie warmly in the cold earth. "'Farewell, pretty little bird,' said she. "'Farewell. Thank you for your delightful singing during the summer.' When all the trees were green and the warm sun shone upon us. Then she laid her head upon the bird's chest. But suddenly she was really alarmed, for it seemed like there was something inside the bird going thump, thump. It was the bird's heart. He wasn't really dead, only numbed with the cold. And the warmth had restored him to life. You see in autumn all the swallows fly away into warm countries but if one happens to linger then the cold seizes it and it becomes chilled and falls down as if dead and it remains where it fell and and then the snow covers it. Thumbelina trembled very much because she was quite frightened the bird was large a great deal larger than her she was only an inch high let's remember. But she took courage and laid the wool more thickly over the poor swallow and then took a leaf which she'd used for her own bedspread and lay it over his head. The next night she went out to see him again. He was alive but very weak. He could only open his eyes for a moment to look at Thumbelina who stood by holding a piece of decayed wood in her hand for she had no other lantern. Thank you pretty little maiden, said the sick swallow. I've been so nicely warmed that I shall soon regain my strength and be able to fly about again in the warm sunshine. Oh, she said, it's cold outside of doors now, it snows and freezes, you stay in your warm bed, I will take care of you. She brought the swallow some water in a flower leaf and after he'd drunk, he told her that he'd wounded one of his wings on a thorn bush and could not fly as fast as the others, who were soon far away on their journey to warm countries. And at last he'd fallen down to the earth and couldn't remember anything more, nor how he came to be where she'd found him. All winter, the swallow remained underground, and Thumbelina nursed him with care and love. She didn't tell either the mole or the field mouse anything about it, for they didn't like swallows. Very soon the springtime came and the sun warmed the earth. Then the swallow said farewell to Thumbelina and she opened up the hole in the ceiling which the mole had made. The sun shone in upon them so beautifully that the swallow asked her if she would go with him. He said she could sit on his back and he would fly away with her into the green woods. But she knew it would make the field mouse sad if she left her in that manner so she said no, I cannot. Farewell then, farewell you good pretty little maiden, said the swallow and he flew out into the sunshine. Thumbelina looked after him and the tears rose in her eyes because she was very fond of the poor swallow. Tweet tweet, sang the bird as he flew out into the green woods and Thumbelina felt very sad. She wasn't allowed to go out in the warm sunshine. The corn which had been sowed in the field over the house of the field mouse had grown up high into the air and formed a thick wood to Thumbelina because, remember, she was only an inch high. You're going to be married, little one, said the field mouse. My neighbour has asked for you. What good fortune for a poor child like you. Now, we will prepare your wedding clothes. They must be woolen and linen. Nothing must be wanting when you're the wife of the mole. Thumbelina had to turn the spindle, and the field mouse hired four spiders who were to weave day and night. Every evening, the mole visited her and constantly spoke of the time when summer would be over. Then he would keep his wedding day with Thumbelina. But now the heat of the sun was so great that it burnt the earth and it made it hard like stone. As soon as the summer was over, the wedding should happen. But Thumbelina was not at all pleased, that she did not like the annoying mole. Every morning when the sun rose and every evening when it went down, she would creep out the door and as the wind blew aside the ears of corn so that she could see the blue sky, she thought how beautiful and bright it seemed out there and wished so much she could see her dear friend the swallow again. But he never returned but by this time he had flown far away into the lovely green forest. When autumn arrived, Thumbelina had her outfit ready and the field mouse said to her, in four weeks the wedding must take place. Thumbelina wept and said she would not marry the disagreeable mole nonsense replied the field mouse now don't be obstinate or I shall bite you with my white teeth he's a very handsome mole the queen herself does not wear more beautiful velvets and furs his kitchens and cellars are quite full you ought to be very thankful for such good fortune because even though the field mouse had been kind to Thumbelina she was also a bit of a snob and she just wanted Thumbelina to marry somebody who was rich which isn't really a reason to get married is it So the wedding day was set, on which the mole was to take Thumbelina away to live with him deep under the earth and never again to see the warm sun, because he didn't like it. The poor child was very unhappy at the thought of saying goodbye to the beautiful sun, and as the field mouse had given her permission to stand at the door, she went to look at it once more. Farewell, bright sun, she cried, stretching out her arm towards it. And then she walked a short distance from the house, for the corn had been cut now and only the dry stubble remained in the fields. Farewell, farewell, she repeated, twining her arm around a little red flower that grew just by her side. Greet the little swallow from me, if you should see him again. Tweet, tweet, sounded over her head suddenly, and she looked up and there was the swallow himself flying close by. As soon as he spied Thumbelina, he was delighted. She told him how unwilling she was to marry the ugly mole and to always have to live beneath the earth and never again see the bright sun. And as she told him, she wept. "'Cold winter is coming,' said the swallow, "'and I'm going to fly away into warmer countries. "'Will you go with me? "'You can sit on my back and fasten yourself on with your sash. "'Then we can fly away from the ugly mole in his gloomy rooms.' far away, over the mountains, into warmer countries, where the sun shines more brightly than here, where it's always summer and the flowers bloom in greater beauty. Oh, fly with me now, dear little one. You saved my life when I lay frozen in that dark and dreary passage. Yes, I will go with you, said Thumbelina, and she seated herself on the bird's back with her feet on his outstretched wings and tied her girdle to one of his strongest feathers. The swallow rose in the air, flew over forest and over sea, high above the highest mountains, covered with snow. Thumbelina would have been frozen, but she crept under the bird's warm feathers, keeping her little head uncovered so that she could see the beautiful lands over which they passed. After a while, they reached the warm countries where the sun shines brightly and the sky seems so much higher above the earth. Here on the hedges and by the wayside grew purple, green and white grapes. Lemons and oranges hung from the trees and the fields and the air was filled with myrtles and orange blossoms. Beautiful children ran along country lanes playing with large butterflies. And as the swallow flew further and further, every place appeared still more lovely. At last, they came to a blue lake and by the side of it, shaded by trees of the deepest green, stood a palace of dazzling white marble, built long ago. Vines clustered around its pillars and at the top were many swallows' nests and one of these was the home of the swallow who carried Thumbelina. "'This is my house,' said the swallow, "'but it would not work for you. You wouldn't be comfortable.' You must choose for yourself one of those lovely flowers and I will put you down upon it and then you will have everything you can wish to make you happy. That will be delightful, she said, and she clapped her little hands for joy. A large marble pillar lay on the ground which had fallen and broken into three pieces and between these pieces grew the most beautiful large white flowers. So the swallow flew down with Thumbelina and placed her on one of the leaves. But how surprised she was to see in the middle of the flower a tiny little man, as white and transparent as if he'd been made of crystal. He had a gold crown on his head and delicate wings at his shoulders. And he was not much larger than she was herself. He was the angel of the flower, for a tiny man and a tiny woman lived in every flower, and this was the king of them all. Oh, how beautiful he is, whispered Thumbelina to the swallow. The little prince at first was quite frightened at the bird, who was like a giant compared to him. But when he saw Thumbelina, he was delighted and thought her the prettiest little maiden he'd ever seen. He took the gold crown from his head and placed it on hers and asked her name and if she would be his wife and queen over all the flowers. This certainly was a very different sort of husband from the son of a toad or the mole with his black velvet and fur. So she said yes to the prince because, you know, at the end of the day, finding someone who's your own size and he's a prince, she wasn't going to hang around. She knew what she wanted and she went for it. Then all the flowers opened and out of each came a little lady or a tiny lord. All so pretty, it was quite a pleasure to look at them. Each of them brought Thumbelina a present but the best gift was a pair of beautiful wings which had belonged to a large white fly and they fastened them to Thumbelina's shoulders so that she might fly from flower to flower. Then there was so much celebrating and the little swallow who sat above them in his nest was asked to sing a wedding song which he did as well as he could but in his heart he did feel sad for he was very fond of Thumbelina and would have liked to have never been apart from her again. You must not be called Thumbelina more," said the spirit of the flowers to her. It's an ugly name and you are so very lovely. We will call you Maya. Farewell, farewell, said the swallow with a heavy heart as he left the warm countries to fly back into Denmark. There he had the nest over the window of a house in which lived the writer of fairy tales. And the swallow sang Tweet Tweet from his song. And the writer of the fairy tales heard it. And from his song came this whole story. Of course, the moral of the story is that people should be free to choose who to love and who to marry. And no one should ever be forced to marry someone they don't want to be with. And also, we just shouldn't ever judge whether someone is ugly or beautiful because of how they look on the outside or because they appear different to us. It's what's on the inside that really counts. The toads and the beetles and the other creatures appeared ugly to Thumbelina because of the way they behaved towards her, whilst Thumbelina's beauty radiated out through her kindness, which is the most beautiful thing of all. Well, good night.
0: That was Shirley Blanche reading Little Thumbelina, written by Hans Christian Andersen. We'd like to thank her for coming on to the podcast, and please please, please, please check out her website, getmindful.co.uk. Help yourself out. Get Mindful. Or you can follow her on Facebook, Get Mindful. Instagram, surely Get Mindful. And on Twitter, Get underscore Mindful. Again, all of those links will be in the episode description for all of you to check out. Also, if you would like to follow Grown Ups Read Princess Stories on Instagram, Twitter, or on Facebook... You can do so by typing in Grownups Read Princess Stories. We're there. Click on us, follow us, find out the updates. Or if you're not a social media person and you'd rather just get some emails that come out maybe once or twice a month, just with some updates on what's going to be coming out. Or if you missed anything, you can also sign up to our emails. You just click the link in the episode description. All you have to do is go to Grownups Read princessstories.transistor.fm. There'll be a link in the episode bio as well. And then you sign up for that newsletter. If you enjoyed the show, please, 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 I'm on my knees. Leave us a review. Five-star ratings, four-star ratings. Maybe you didn't really like it, it's one-star rating. That's your opinion. We respect all those opinions. So please leave us a review. Give us some star ratings. If you have some criticism, We'll listen to that as well. It doesn't all have to be, this is the most perfect thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, that that would be great. That would be amazing if you loved it. Because here's the thing. Most people only write things when they're upset. I mean, how many times have you had really good customer service and then you went, I'm going to write an email or write a review on Google reviews about how amazing this experience is? I mean, we've all checked out Google reviews. We've all been online and seen the horrible... Mean comments about things that we didn't like, the customer service we didn't enjoy, or the product that didn't fill our expectations. If this, on any level, was enjoyable, please think about saying some nice words as well, because spreading love and kindness is a really, really great thing. Speaking of really great things, we do have merch. If you are a fan of the podcast and you would like to get a Grown Ups Read Princess Stories shirt you can do so by going to redbubble.com. And so, until next week, please, all of you, be kind to each other and stay safe.